Do me a favor, go to a bookstore or go to BurtBurtBurt.com and buy my book. Trip Flip every Wednesday nights on Travel Channel at 9 p.m. I'm on tour. Des Moines, Dayton, Phoenix, Fort Lauderdale, Cincy, West Nyack, New York City, Atlanta, Richmond, Kansas City, Orlando, Columbus. And now I bring to you the divine Miss Pat. This is Hello. I think we're recording. I should probably have headsets in to check. Let me. Here, keep talking. Hello. Son, what you said on the bed, son, that he didn't sleep on? A plug in the bathroom. You ain't got nobody to talk to, do you? Hmm? Here, here, here. Go to sleep. Why? Your wife at work. You married? He black man married. Date the bitch forever and don't marry her. <laughs> All right. Yep. Let me to hear you. Hello. Talking to the mic? Hello. All right. Perfect. We're recording. That's 44 seconds of just us figuring out if the mic's working. What happened to my cocktail? All right. Well, go get mama water. You hear me? I am not in the man cave. <laughs> I am in Indianapolis at the Hilton with the fan requested Miss Pat. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> From this, let me tell you, let me start this off by telling you everything that I hear about you. And then okay. you tell me. Because there's so much shit I want to talk to you about. Because Miss Pat picked me up from Bob and Tom and drove me back to my hotel room. And just the car ride, we just started talking about like the just like three times you said three things. I was like, fucking save it for the podcast. <laughs> uh, I've heard you're just the realest person alive. I think so. <laughs> Someone said, ask her about the time she got her nipple shot off. I was a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I was selling crack one night and this guy, well, he spit on my car. And so I thought I was a badass. I was about 15 years old. So I stuck my little 38 in his face, not knowing my shit was fucking skipping and wasn't working well. So he was like, I'll be back, bitch, to kill you. So, you know, I'm in the hood. You hear that all the time. But he came back really to kill me. So he came back shooting, and I started running, and those bullets was flying by my head. I was like, Lord, please don't let this nigga kill me because my baby daddy ain't shit, and I got two kids, and he ain't going to take care of them. So instead of getting hit in, hit in the head with the bullet, one of the bullets hit me up under my right arm and just fucking blew my nipple off. Are you serious? Blew it to, but thank God I was seventeen because that bitch just grew back. It don't look it don't look as good as the other one. <laughs> and they always say don't ever feed the baby on that side; it could get lead poison. <laughs> so wait, wait, let's start. Okay, I just, that was like the first thing. This is like a minute into the podcast, and it's already the best story I've ever heard. Yeah. So wait, where did you grow up? I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta. Where? Uh, Bankhead? Hell no. Well, I'm familiar with Bankhead. We lived on Bankhead, but my, 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 I felt my mama had, we had a stepfather that moved us out of the project. So once he got rid of my mama, we was back to Bankhead. But I actually grew up in the West End. Okay. You know so, what the West End is? Uh, no. I, I, I worked the Olympics in, uh, I think, in, um, in Bankhead. Bank here, yeah, I that's that's so. some rough shit over there. They don't about closed all that shit down last time I was there, but I grew up in the West End. And I and I'm a huge fan of Southern rap. I grew up listening to rap. Oh, so okay. like anything with Outkast, Goody Mob. I fucking love Outkast. Outkast and my husband inspired me to get off welfare. That look the the song he had, Get Up and Get Out and Get Something, Don't Let the Days of Your Life Go By. 
after yeah. I stopped, stopped selling dope, and people don't understand when you're used to a certain type of lifestyle where you can just spend money and do what the fuck you want to do, then you got to go get a job. And I had to listen to outcasts like fucking crazy to keep me from going back to forging checks and selling dope. Okay. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let's backtrack. So you grew up in Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta. And hey. you born in I'm, I'm gonna say around the seventies is when you're a little girl. Yeah, around the seventies. And this I, is when Richard, what's his name, was killing black kids in Atlanta. Oh, uh, his was name it, not Richard. His name it, is um Dennis Dwayne. Wayne Williams. Wayne Williams. Wayne yes. Williams. Wayne. God damn it. Wayne so, Williams. So Wayne Williams. The, by the way, this is when my wife grew up. Yeah. This is the same time. My wife grew up in it in he Atlanta was, and and in Bowden. He was killing them in Bankhead, and you know what was crazy? Because they set that curfew. This is about to blow your fucking mind. So they set a curfew in Atlanta, saying all the black kids got to be the fucking house because somebody's snatching y'all asses off the street. So my <laughs> sister, sounds like a white conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um, my sister and brother was the first two to break the Georgia curfew. So we all on the news with Monica Kaufman because she was a big time black reporter. So they sent her out to our house. My mama drunk as fuck on the news. Somebody, I ain't tell them motherfuckers to leave this house they bleeping my mom on the news she about to go to jail i'm sitting in the cone like bitch you been drunk all day you didn't even know they was outside because i always thought those people stole me i was like this can't be my fucking family nobody's born into this bullshit <laughs> you don't know how bad i was wishing they were snatching little black girls to get me the fuck away from that house <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you 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 remember that time? Do you remember, yeah, you my remember? brother and sister was the first two to break that curfew. Actually, I had a cousin to get killed by that. Are you serious? Curtis Walker. Uh, he was one of the big big ones that one of the bodies that they saw him throw over in the river. Yeah, that was my cousin. Really? And you know what was crazy? It was it was crazy because we was playing with him like a week before he went missing. Really? And his his daddy was my mama's first cousin, so that made him my second cousin. Holy shit! Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Do you remember? Were you afraid when you were a kid about of what about uh, the black about, kids are not afraid of shit. That's why it's easy to snatch us. We most scared of our parents and a motherfucker <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Fuck you, my mama bad is you better than you. <laughs> black kids ain't scared of nobody, but they used to be scared of their parents. They whoop their parents' ass now. Not my kids, because I told my kids I fuck you up. I don't get I don't get EIC for you no more. You don't mean shit to me. I don't even know what EIC is. Earn uh-uh, income credit. What's that? The shit poor people get on income tax return. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, how much money you make? <laughs> I, I, I never been on EIC. <laughs> That's when you see all the black people in the mall buying shit the first of the year. Really? Yeah, they got their tax return. <laughs> Fuck, Bert, what the hell? You don't have no black friends. I got That's what two. we live I got for. Two. <laughs> One's my buddy Imaginary. And <laughs> no. is someone knocking on the door? Get up, Nakia, on the fucking door. Your son, your son's in in the room too. Yeah, your son's name is Nakia. Yeah, Nakia. And hey, I named him after his uncle. Hey, thank you so very much. I requested that. Oh, not how'd you do that? I just, thank, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to tell a bitch, give me a chair. Oh, um, nice. Um, I named him after his uncle, okay. which was um his uncle was named Nakia, and that's my baby daddy's brother. I oh, okay. had no idea I was naming the after of a loser. But he turned out pretty good. He graduated. He got a baby. He don't beat bitches. He work. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you realize what a sentence? Do you realize the sentence you said, how great that is? What? I don't know how it, but it came out so quick. He's He graduated. He he got a baby, and he don't beat bitches. No, he don't beat bitches because <laughs> I beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, Atlanta, 
in the seventies. You, what, what's your recollection of, like I always and I. By the way, you're gonna, I, my, you're going to get one of my, uh, my one of my good friends, Omar Dorsey. He's in, uh, he's in um, Eastbound and Down. He's a black dude. He grew up in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but he grew up, I think, North Atlanta, like Marietta. That's money. That's not where I grew up at. Really? I grew up on Simpson Road, looking like Bankhead. Yeah. The rough part. The real so now, rough part. I always say this because I assume the black experience is is colored with music. Yes, that's all you did. We listen to music every fucking day. Every day we listen to music. You know what? I don't listen to a lot of music now because we was forced to dance and shit all the time. Really? You know, when you see those black music movies, that shit is really true. And I used to always say to myself... With the mom, with the... Mom, with the with yeah, the, get with up the, and dance. Get up and dance for all the drunk people. That's what we had to do because I grew up in a bootleg house. My grandfather sold moonshine. So when everybody got drunk, the kids was the entertainment. And I couldn't understand that. And I used to always say to myself, Bitch, won't you get up and dance? This your friend. I don't know this nigga. <laughs> but I said it to myself because I was scared of my fucking mama. Yeah. So won't you fucking dance? I don't know this nigga. You know him, not me. Shit, that's your fucking friend. My friend don't want me to dance, bitch. Yeah. But that's the stuff I was saying in my head because I was so fucking scared of her. Yeah. Now, was your dad around? Uh, I'm black. Don't ask questions you know the fucking answer to. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, no. So, so what song? What song? What, what song? What song reminds you of your childhood? Wow! Like I, I hear Queen or Sticks, mm-hmm. and I remember my childhood vividly. Uh, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. I tell you, Whitney Houston song, the song I believe the children of the future. Yeah, and that gave me an imagine. That made me think that some it was a world outside beside this raggedy ass house I lived in. This drunk ass mama. There's one TV, and we only ate once a day. She made my mind open up to the world. But I used to always say, "Bitch, where are you? What children of the future are you singing to? These niggas over here ain't gave me no food all fucking day." <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking hated that song. And every time. It would come on, I would just cry. Because I was like, what fucking kid is she talking about taking care of? These motherfuckers done ran me crazy over here. It's so crazy. You realize how many people saw Whitney Houston as black people. Yeah, They're like, oh, that's got to be nice. It's, you know, it's like the white dress with the hair that's perfect. And that was her first introduction to, like, black women was Whitney Houston. Beautiful, yes. And I used to, when she, and and she, she was saying, and I would just dream, and like, this bitch says something else out there in the world, somewhere, somehow. I gotta send you a copy of my book. I have a, I have a a really great uh, story about my daughter breaking her jaw and losing her in her forefront teeth and us going to the dentist, and then, and it's, it's a, but it's, it's got a Whitney Houston beat to it. I'm gonna send you, that's so fucking fascinating. So, okay. So, uh, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Um, uh, let me. I gotta ask you this question before I answer that question. Shoot. Uh, voluntary or involuntary? <laughs> Shut the fuck up! God damn it! <laughs> Let's go voluntary. <laughs> what you scared of the fucking involuntary? I'm scared, you know what? I'm scared of the truth. <laughs> uh, um, uh, voluntary twelve. I was holy uh, shit. My kids. It was his father. He was uh twenty two. Married with a wife who was pregnant, and I met him, and I was twelve, 
And, um, you know, at the time, I was having a really rough time in my life. I was 12. I was, I think, I was like 7th or 8th grade. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, I think I was searching for a father figure, just somebody to love me. So I didn't. he started being nice, like most guys do, giving you young girl shit. And I just thought he loved me. I didn't know. But I didn't know in return you had to give him sex. <laughs> no, wait, were you developed at 12? Like Very. I oh, yeah. probably had a body like Beyonce. She's stuck in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so, okay, so 12, where did you, how do you, where do you meet a 22-year-old when you're 12? I went to a, uh, I went to a, um, uh, the YMCA used to give the inner city kids party, you know, so they don't go out and get killed yeah. on Saturdays. And yeah. I went to the party with my sister, who was 14 at the time. But my sister was already into prostitution and stuff like that and the drugs. So my mama really didn't like me hanging out with them because they had already dropped out. And my sisters were having a real hard time in life. So I was like, I really want to go to this party with them. And I went. And my sister already had a pimp. And my cousin had a pimp. So I went to the party just as an innocent little thing, and I met the pimp friend. Oh, and that was the... That was my baby I never daddy. Understand, I never understand how pimping works. I don't understand. I'm not going to sell my vagina and give you my fucking money. I'm I can't, sorry. I can't, I can't wrap my head around the kind of person that can... can not only the kind of person that can do it, but the kind of person that's able to do it. Like it's a it's a strong-minded person versus a weak-minded person. I mean, when you take a woman uh, or whoever you whoever you controlling, like this, like slavery, you beat them down, you tell them they're nothing, and you tell them nobody else want to be bothered with them. People start to believe that shit, and so that's how you get control of your situation. And I guess that's what my sister allowed. Nobody ever pimped me. I didn't sell pussy. My sister wasn't making no real money. So that's why I sold dope and sell a pussy. Is your sister still around? Yeah, she's uh she get out of jail and <laughs> she get out of jail. Oh my God. Um everything you say is like an awesome pop up ad for fucking entertainment. <laughs> she get out of jail in about three weeks, I think. Are you serious? In yeah. Atlanta? Yeah, in Atlanta. You, are you the only one here in Indianapolis? Yeah, my husband. I've been married for twenty three years. I met my husband when he was like five. My son was like five, and we moved. We moved. Uh, well, we lived in uh, Riverdale, Georgia, and then we moved here with his job, which is General Motors. Oh, nice! My husband works for Allison. He makes the Allison transmission. Oh, nice. Okay, so uh, so I'm, I, I want to kind of track your story. And by the way, when I get to a part and you have a story that you think I might be interested, okay. just jump in. Okay, I will. because already we're probably twelve minutes into the podcast, and this might be the most you might be the most interesting person I've ever talked to. <laughs> so. Uh, so, okay, so you lose your virginity at 12. Yes, to a married man. Married I man. get pregnant. I, I'm pregnant now. So I, I was in elementary school because there was no middle school in my neighborhood. So I'm sitting in elementary school pregnant. And I remember I remember as a, uh, the, t- the teacher was teaching the health class. And I'm sitting there. I'm about three months pregnant. You know how they pull up the penis? Yeah. And so I've always been an outspoken person. You know, the penis are really small because they don't want to get show you know, no dick that's been erected. Yeah. And so I yelled out, Miss Smith, now you, my boyfriend dick bigger than that. She said, get out of my class, bitch. Are you serious? <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm pregnant. I'm about, I'm, at this time, I'm about four months pregnant, and I answer the door for this lady. And I'm thinking she's somebody that wants to play, you know, in my neighborhood. Because remember, I'm, I'm 13 years old. I'm still a kid, but I'm fucking pregnant. And I opened the door, and it was his uh, wife. And she asked for me by my nickname, which is um, when I was a drug dealer, my name was Rabbit. That's the crazy bitch in me. So she was like, I'm, um, I need to speak with Rabbit. And I was like, I'm Rabbit. She was like, uh, I'm Daryl's wife. And I couldn't get it. My mind couldn't wrap around 
her being their wife because I didn't know what the fuck a wife was. My mama wasn't nobody wife. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm I'm Anita and you sleeping with my husband, Daryl. I was like, bitch, he can't be your husband. He, you got to be his girlfriend first. She's like, how fucking old are you? And I was like 13. So I come outside and I tell him, what, four, five months pregnant. She asked me to have an abortion. And I said, and I'm confused. And I'm like, I don't really want to have no abortion. But she she almost made me have an abortion because as I walked out the door, the ice cream man was coming down the street and the bitch bought me ice cream. <laughs> and I'm saying, you, by the way, do you realize how fucking insane that is? She you bought me one fucking bomb pop. I was like, bitch, you're going to buy me a box of bomb pops if you want me to have an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up keeping her. She's 28 now. Your first? Yeah, she's 28. Where's she? she? She in Atlanta. She's gay. There's not enough pussy here to eat. <laughs> so she's staying around. <laughs> she got a white girlfriend. Her girlfriend looks just like Robin Thicke. Oh, right. <laughs> by the way, her son, Nikea, who's laying on my bed, just started laughing. <laughs> you know what? It's crazy because his sister get more pussy than he do. <laughs> he had to call her. How you want? How I supposed to eat it, Ashley? <laughs> Don't you, son? <laughs> He has no game when it comes to his sister. His sister will take his hoes. Oh, really? Shit, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> so you, uh, you you keep the baby? Yeah, I keep the baby. And, um, You're pregnant at 12 or yes. 13. Yeah, I got pregnant at, I got, I, I got, I met him at 12. I was impregnated at 13. I gave birth at 14. And you know what? It never registered in my mind, Bert, how young I fucking was. Cause I have a 16 year old daughter now. And I look at her when I was her age, I had already had two kids and two, two abortions. So I look at my 16 year old like, bitch, you don't know how good you got it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was cooking crack and I was trafficking crack right, and I had get, already been to jail. Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> let's start with. Your introduction to drugs was well. The, uh, well, I'm okay. I'm th- I'm 15 with two kids. Can't get a job because I'm supposed to be in fucking school. So you know, at that time, they was real heavy. Oh, they, <clears throat> back then you couldn't get a job. You before couldn't you get were 16. a job. You couldn't even get a job before you were 16. Yeah. And so I wasn't in school, so I couldn't get a work permit. And I, I don't need a work permit. I need a r- real fucking job. I got two kids to take care of by a married man that's constantly beating on me, cheating on me, and fucking dogging me the fuck out. Yeah. So it was nothing else in my neighborhood for me to do. So everybody else, at that time, everybody else was selling drugs. And so my kid's father was a, uh, my kid's father cousin was like a big time dope dealer. And so I went well, back hold to on one second. my kid's father's cousin. Was a big time drug okay, dealer. Okay, okay, so okay. So yep, I got it now. I would go over <clears throat> to him and let him front me dope. That means give it to me on credit, then I bring him the money back once I sell it. Yeah. And I started selling it in my old neighborhood. And after, you so, know, uh, like weed or no, just? No, crack. Crack so had is, just hit the right, black this community. Is right when and, crack showed up. Yeah, by 86. I remember, I remember, I remember that vividly. Yeah, like it, documentaries, not documentaries, but like twenty twenty would do a story on crack, yeah, and they'd be like crack cocaine. This young lady brought her uh, uh, Volkswagen Cabriolet into the hood, and it was. I think that was the beginning of 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 institutionalized racism from the media, yeah, because they 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 painted black people in one way 
and white people another. White well, people were a victim. If crack got into your family, you were a victim of crack. Well, you know, crack, white people don't use crack. White people use cocaine. When they would come to our neighborhood, it was only two things they would buy. It was cocaine and heroin. Or heroin, how the heroin is that? what we called it. Yeah, heroin. Yeah. So only black people use crack, and they was like, I can't fuck with then You got to buy something to shoot it up with. That was like, that was like no, I'm not doing that. So yeah. black people was really into crack. So I couldn't get a job, so I decided, well, shit, I don't have nothing else to do. I got to take care of my kids. So... Uh, I had a friend that I grew up with, and he was like, you should bring it over here, and we'll sell it together. So we just started flipping it. You, I mean, I took a $500 worth, which is a, um, if, I'm see if I can fucking remember, it's been over 20 years, which is a half an ounce. Okay. And you tuck it, and you chop it down, and you, and you it was cost 500 or 450 and you made about 900 to to $1,000. So after that, I paid my baby daddy so, cousin. Wait, are you getting it in cocaine and then making it into crack? Well, at first, I got it into crack. I would get it already cooked up. And yeah. once I chop it up, we would sell it. And I would pay whoever I owed. And me and him went in business together. And at one time, I had a trap. A trap is where we sold the dope. Yep. And we would listen, make about 10 grand a day. Ten, <laughs> and I was, I was 15 years old. I had my first $100,000 at 16. I didn't have a fucking license, but I owned about eight cars. And couldn't drive. So I had to pay the crackheads to teach me how to drive. Really? That's how I learned how to drive. You so, remember that, Nakil? They was in the back seat, and the crackhead would be smoking a crack pipe in the front seat, and he would take me around 285 in Atlanta, and I would be driving real slow on the expressway at night. Yeah. He's smoking crack in front of my kids. My kids back there cheering me on. Mama, you're doing real good. Like, set the fuck down and put that damn pipe down in front of my kids. <laughs> Holy shit. So it's, what's, what's as incredible to me is that you were around for the birth of all the colloquialisms that is now hip hop. That word is a little too big for me. What the like, fuck is like colloquialism? All the, like, <laughs> all the all the uh, all the words that you hear in rap yes. songs. Yes. You were there for the beginning of in yes. the trap. Outcast. I mean, not outcast. I was there for uh, two live crew. You remember? They was fuck, the first yeah, one to two ever We're the curse. same age. We're the same age. Yeah. You look younger, but we're the same age. Yeah. Two live crew was the first one to ever really uh, curse. I remember when fucking Will Smith was this shit. When I went sure. to Will Smith concert along with Flavor Flavor. They was all on and Fat Boys. That's the where it's all started. Fat Boys are uh, back. Houdini. I remember Houdini. <laughs> I, t- I I I I Friends. Uh, <laughs> remember the song? Yeah, Friends? of course. I met yeah. I met uh um the uh God. That's so fucking interesting. We had that. We have the same upbringing when it comes to what we listen to. You were just more protected. I was I I didn't I I'd, I'd heard about crack but I would never I didn't see cocaine until I was 23 22 I was so good at selling crack at one time cuz I went I've been to prison too but I was so good at selling crack whatever I bought I could damn near look at it with my eye and tell you what we was going to bag up Really? And you know and I, I look at life how I've changed my life over the years because when my kids was young I had I think they was 3 and 4 and um when I used to try, I would cut my, my drugs up at home and I was put it in their pampers or his pamper because he was like still in like pull ups. Yeah. And that's how I would traffic, traffic my dope. Really? Yeah. And they and they were so trained. I said, when I put my fucking, my, when mama put her business in your drawers, you don't talk to no fucking body. When I had a police officer issue a warrant for me, both of my kids had about, probably about, Five six thousand dollars worth of cut up crack in their pants, and they got out the car and went around the house while I was getting arrested. 
And they knew exactly what to do. They knew to take the drugs and give them to their father. And I look at it now because I'm writing a piece on it about how fucking horrible of a mama I was. Because I used to sell crack in front of my daughter elementary school. And my daughter, they went to private school because I had the money. So when she got into when she got into first grade, I put her in front of in front of where I sold drugs at, and didn't realize how much it was affecting my daughter's life. Cause some reason her classroom every year was be on the side where I sold my drugs at. So one day she, I pick her up from school and she fucking was sharp every day, George. You know how we do it in the hood. Yeah. And uh, my daughter is very fucking intelligent too. If you meet her, you can never put us together. <laughs> so uh, I want to meet I, your daughter. I'm going to Atlanta. <laughs> I'm going to Atlanta. You can come we to Atlanta. Let's do a show together. I, I would fucking love to. Let's do. Let's do. Uh, I'm at the punchline. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in there in August, uh, 15, 7, 15, 16, 17. Well, tell them, and I'll be there. So um, I used to sell crack in front of my uh, daughter's school, and I tell you, my daughter, my, me, my, me and my daughter had no fucking bond because I had already been to prison before she went to kindergarten. So she started oh, to shit. hate me. Okay. So <clears throat> make a long story short, one day I pick her up from school. She in the first grade, and she said, she write me this note, and she was like, Mom, I want to transfer. And I was like, why? This is a good school. She said, because I get tired of looking out my window every day, seeing you sell drugs in front of my school. So I said, well, bitch, I was here first. This is my job. <laughs> <laughs> you getting a fucking transfer. This is my job. This is how we eat. I ain't fucking moving my trap for you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, what? What? Uh, so wait, how old were you when you went to prison? I was, um, uh, you know, back then when crack first hit, you had to be, you, you had to be uh, like 19 to go to jail. So they 18. So they bumped it down to 17. So I went to jail and uh, for because the police didn't catch me. He caught my cousin with it because I would have all of my younger kids in the community selling crack for me. Yeah. And which was my nieces and my cousin. And uh, they caught my cousin. She did like a year in juvenile. And then she wouldn't tell on me, but they knew it was mine because he was on the hill watching. So finally, I turned in myself and I got a uh, year I got a year probation, and uh, then I had to do a year in prison. What's prison like? Well, you know what? I had money, so I stayed in the county jail because I had other drug charges pending. Yeah. So I just went there and turned around. So I guess a lot of eating vagina, I don't know, but jail was horrible. Really? Yeah, I was, you know, by the time I was 17, I was sick. By the, well, I went to jail when I was 17. By the, by the time way, I was by the 19, way, I was everyone sick. listening needs to understand the difference between prison and jail. Yes, prison so- is rough. Prison is rough like the shit you see on TV. So, I mean, like, jail- People think it's inter- intermingling like tissues and Kleenex. No. It's not. No. It, jail is jail is you are in a cell pretty much all the time, right? Um, well they let you out for so when you when you're not a real bad criminal, they yeah. let you out for you know, doing a day and watch T V. But it's still horrible. Somebody waking you up, feeding you that bullshit, telling you what to do. And I when you when you know you can't go nowhere, and then what what really got me, I was like, this shit ain't for me. I got kids. Is when I had to go to court, and um, they put the shackles on your feet and got you in the jumpsuit. That's the most humiliating shit ever. I rather walk down the street naked than to be shackled because you always see people that you don't want to see. Like I was, I one time I was um, shackled and I went to school with somebody, and they was like Patricia. And I was like, hell no, I don't know that bitch. <laughs> but it was me, and I was like, this this ain't for me. So I met a wonderful man, and my life changed. 
So wait, okay. So you get out. You eighteen years old, I guess. You get uh-huh. out of jail, prison. I get out of prison. I'm still selling because that's all I know. I'm st- yeah. at that time. I go from selling to forging checks. Forging checks had really got big, and I learned that from a crackhead. By the way, forging checks is something everyone can get into. Back in the day, I remember, I remember my buddy got into forging checks, and he was in college. He just yeah. got caught up in it because yeah. you don't have money, and you, you want have- something, and you just write a check for it. Yeah, and you know, back then they didn't have all the good system that they have. They didn't like, have any systems. Check. No, so white people didn't balance their checkbooks, and if you got a checkbook, you can tell it's a fucking white girl, Cassidy. Ain't no black bitch named no Cassidy, and yeah. you fucking write those checks, and they, you know, it took them a week or so before they would even start to bounce. Yeah. So by that time, you can write five, six thousand dollars for checks in a weekend. Oh yeah, I remember writing checks that my ass couldn't cash, and my dad would just cover it. He'd be like, no. buddy, buddy, you get, you got to slow down. And I was like, well, it was, and, and it was like 40 bucks. I remember writing a check for 40 bucks because you could go to Publix yep. and get $40 worth of cash if you wrote a check. Yep. And I used to go get 40 bucks worth of cash, and that would be my drinking money for the weekend. Yeah, no, it was, we were serious about it. Like, you would go into, like, well, um, crackhead was going to places who wrote the checks, who taught me how to forge checks, and they would buy three and four you know, big screen TV. That's when everybody had the big screen TV sitting on the floor. Yeah. And then you would go and sell them to the drug dealers. I remember, you, you probably don't remember this, but you remember the laser disc? Oh, yeah, I remember Everybody didn't have a laser disc. I fucking had a laser disc. <laughs> I could tell you what year this is, by the way. <laughs> I remember laser disc. That's the first time I ever saw, I tell you, I bought, <laughs> the first time I ever had a laser disc, I had a, my brother was a professional burglar. All he did was breaking white people's houses, right? Yeah. So he stole somebody's laser disc and the fucking movie Schindler's was in it. So I, I, didn't, I dropped out of school, so I didn't know shit about the Holocaust. All I knew was about <laughs> slavery. So I plugged the laser disc and then white people go who the fuck is who is this crazy motherfucker shooting these people <laughs> are you serious <laughs> i had no idea what the holocaust was i was in the fucking hood that was the holocaust to me <laughs> so when i'm learning about the holocaust for shitter's list i Jews, everybody white to us. <laughs> we don't want to fucking know your nationality. Your skin white, you white. And they had the Holocaust. That's the name of the movie, right? And that shit yeah. freaked me the fuck out. I was like, why the fuck they letting that cracker shoot them like that? Run, motherfucker, run. <laughs> and and you I, have no reference for the Holocaust. That movie is terrifying. Yeah, it is. Like, why are they picking him? How do they know they're different? Yes. And we, all of us stupid, I'm with, nobody know anything about the Jews and the Holocaust. They're like, they're some stupid motherfuckers. Motherfucker, won't they just jump the fence? Because that's what oh. black people do. We would have jumped the oh fucking fence. You know what I'm I saying? I would pay money to be in the hood and watch a bunch of black people have no reference to the Holocaust watch Schindler's List. We watch Schindler's List. Like, we're just talking shit not knowing his fucking history. But I at that time, <laughs> when I met my husband, he knew everything about history because he's fucking intelligent as yeah. fuck. And so when when I was like, you want to see this good-ass movie these white people getting killed? And he was like, that's the fucking Holocaust. The fuck is the Holocaust? <laughs> He's like, that's fucking history. I said, the history. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine. <laughs> oh, and, uh, oh, that's so fucking okay. So that's how I learned about the Holocaust. And my brother had stolen the DVDs. Like, that's a stupid ass motherfucker. All they got to do is jump the fence. 
And now that All I they look gotta back, do is jump, jump the fence. Because you know we jump fences and get the fuck out on black yeah. people. <laughs> I used to have a, I used to have a joke about black people can jump fences better than anybody. Hell it's, yeah! It just it looks beautiful when you see a black dude hop a fence. Yeah, it just seems beautiful. When you see a white guy climb a fence, <laughs> it's just so painful. Like, <laughs> but um, uh, that's so, what I learned about history. So, so. 18, how old were you when you meet your husband? I met my husband when I was 18, yeah. 19, 19. And um, uh, I was in the process of, well, he helped me get my life together. He's like, oh, you got to stop setting. He had just what's got out of the military. What's, what's your bottom? We're, we're like, you get to a place where you're like, ah, this isn't working for me. Uh, and by the way, by the way, let's let's backtrack for a second. Are you, do, like, I can't imagine, I never sold drugs, um, but I've, I've, I've been the middleman, like, you know, like, Hey, so you're getting a bag of weed, and someone's like, no. "Hey, can you get me a bag of weed?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm getting one too. I'll get it for you." And then, but like, do you have you ever smoked crack? I never did drugs, and let me tell you why. Because my mom, my mom used a lot of alcohol, and she was an alcoholic. My, uh, I watched that shit every day. My mom smoked cigarettes, smoked a ton She's of weed. She's still alive. No, she died at 39. And I just told serious? myself, I said, I would never, ever be like these people. And I meant it. I said, my kids won't dance because I fucking hated dancing. And oh. they don't dance to this fucking day. And I don't think I ever seen my kids dance. I said, I taught them dancing is a form of respect. Two things we don't do. We don't dance and we don't fucking eat beans because that's all I fucking ate when I was little. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so everything that they did to me that I hated, I, don't, I didn't allow them to do. That's so damn Because my, my, my mom, we were so fucking poor, Bert, that my mama, she prepared beans. Like, if you, she ate butter beans, we ate them for the whole fucking month. So you can imagine how constipated and dried eyed all shit was from eating these fucking starchy beans. And I had a brother that was fucking in love with butter beans. He's, <laughs> at this time, he's really black and he, he's fucking skinny. And you remember the basketball short that used to look like the little gay short? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to wear those shorts all the time. But when my mama cooked butter beans, he was fucking start dancing. And he would not stop dancing until all the fucking beans was gone so i remember sitting in the corner one day and i was like i hate this black ass dancing nigga for these beans i say he's so fucking black we don't even know his race <laughs> wait, wait i just realized in the telling of that story your mom would prepare the butter beans yes so she wouldn't she wouldn't they, would, they didn't come in a can no my mama prepared everything from scratch so the, your mom got a bag of beans yes and then soaked them for like two days oh yeah or whatever and, and we then prepare them every day Oh fuck! Do you we realize how fucking old school that is? That is fucking. You know, a bitch would not. You show a bitch a bag of beans a day, she would like. What's that? <laughs> my wife. My wife will prepare beans. She gets uh, black eyed peas. I, I and love she'll, black eyed peas. And she'll soak she'll prepare them, and like put them in and soak them. And she, that's the way. Like my wife's. My wife's old school south like that like yeah. her family probably grew up very similar I, I wish my wife was here. When you come to L, are you coming to L A anytime soon? I'm looking at June. If you come in June, I want you to come over. My wife will make dinner, and we'll have dinner, and then we'll go to a podcast, me, you, and my wife. And I'd love to hear your experience versus her experience because I guarantee it's very similar. That's the thing I don't think a lot of people understand sometimes is that the black black and white experience in the South is very similar when you're poor. Yeah. Was she poor? Yeah. Very poor. Like I remember my sister made a joke about growing up in a trailer, Mm -hmm. and my wife was like, I grew up in a trailer. (laughs) And my sister was like, oh, never mind. Like, but that's like, uh, my sisters are, they never, but my wife, yeah, my wife grew up in trailers and, and like went from house to house and just had a, one of those rough childhoods. But for her, it was just, uh, 
sleeping uh, that sounds bad but like you know just sleeping with a dude younger than she should have probably probably very very similar experience to you yeah i would say you know like just in uh but just yeah one of those kind of childhoods it's not the picturesque one that you see on the norman rockwell do you know who norman rockwell is no, but the name sounds familiar. Yes, I fucking love you. <laughs> I love you so much. So well, okay. I'm not gonna play like I don't know shit. I don't know. My I buddy mean- Wicho, my buddy Wicho's from Peru, and uh, and he one of the one of the most beautiful things he ever taught me in life is that if he didn't know it, he wasn't gonna lie to you. Well, I had a teacher uh, who um, who inspired me a lot. It was my first or second grade teacher named Miss True. She just passed away really? this year, and um, I'm she, t- I'm checking the time to make sure you don't need to leave for your flight. But she she would always tell me. Patricia, the dumbest question is a question not asked. And she told me this as a kid. So, And I ask anything. If I don't know, I'm not ashamed to play like I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. So, so if you yeah. tell me, I know. Like I remember when Nelson Mandela was freed. Uh, you know, from jail from all those years. I had never heard of fucking who Nelson Mandela was. I was selling crack. I wasn't in school. I didn't know fucking shit about no Nelson Mandela. So I walk into this eyebrow arching shop that's really famous called Dendera in Atlanta. And they, they, you know, they arch the eyebrows of teachers and doctors and higher class and lower class. You got all types of people in there. So they was like, oh my God, Nelson Mandela is free. So I'm a drug dealer, you know, probably just shot a nigga an hour ago. I'm going to get my eyebrows or I walk into the eyebrow or shot. Oh, Nelson Mandela! Everybody clapping. So I said, "Well, who the fuck is Nelson Mandela?" So the lady was a principal. She's like, "How dare you not know who Nelson Mandela is?" Oh. I said, "Bitch, I don't know who my real dad is, but if you tell me who he is, I know." Yeah. So that's how I learned how who Nelson Mandela is from a teacher who was trying to be high class, a principal, whoever the fuck she was. Tell me who he is. Okay, he got free. They held him. Okay, well now I know, bitch. Now while we at it, do you know my real daddy? <laughs> it's 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 one of the it's the truth is that if you don't like I don't know I've heard it a lot but I don't know what Benghazi is I've heard I don't it. know nothing about now my daughter yeah. my sixteen year old she could tell you everything about Benghazi I was sitting at the dinner table and she was like Mama what you know about Benghazi I said what you know about three niggas getting killed on the east side yeah <laughs> that's what I need to know but I don't even know what's going on over there that ain't none of my business I can't be I can't worry about everything else that's going on in this world I'm not Jesus why y'all trying to do his job yeah. I can't. I look at it like that. Sometimes I go, I go. I'm dealing with me right now. I got so much going on with me that I'm fucking exhausted. Why I can't? I like. I look at globally, and I and I think sometimes like, hey, these people that are worried about big concepts over there or over here. Why don't you focus on like shit that's going on right here? I don't know. That's that. I'm gonna get on the fucking soapbox. I mean, but but that's that's so true. And I, I tell people like that all the time. Like. I tell you, and I hate to bring this up. I hope it don't bring down the, the mood. But like when um, when Tr- when Trayvon Martin got killed, and yeah. I tell people everybody wants to march, and I say, oh well, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing that we marching for Trayvon. I think the bastard was guilty. I said, but don't just march for Trayvon. March when it's black on black killing. We wants to get up when it's when only when a white man. Kills. Don't make it. Don't make it. Don't. I don't, don't want make people. it color when you can, yeah. anybody get killed. I was in Chicago with my younger kids last year around the same time with the year Trayvon was killed. Fourteen people got shot. Nobody was marching. Yeah. So that's why I say I can't. I can't trust y'all. Black people in back in the day was real black people. They cared about all. They didn't wait till a white man kill us, a black man kill us. I mean, you know, anybody kill us, you was ready to go. Yeah. So I was like, you know, that, that's why I don't get into what's going on in the world. I, 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 I looked. I looked at that whole Florida's a weird place. I grew up in Florida, so Florida's a weird place to. Uh, to try to speak globally about, especially about firearms, because 
everyone's got them in their pockets. Yeah. Everyone's carrying a gun in Florida. And, and everyone's go-to is to pull their gun out in Florida. And, I, and by the way, I know if you're in Florida, you're going to disagree with this. I grew up there. I have friends there. My buddy Cowhead always has a gun on him. Always. I just went to the gun shop with him, and he just got a new holster. Like, I don't have a fucking holster at all. He's got a few holsters, one for his gym shorts. Well, so, I don't say take their guns. I'm just saying don't kill nobody for oh, no. playing their rap. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. in your neighborhood. Well, well Flor- I, uh, the, what I was going to say was Florida's a weird place to talk about uh, firearm control oh, in general. Yeah. But I'll tell you what bothers me is, like, is you're right, is don't just tell the story when it seems like a good that it's going to peak interest. Yes. Talk about it all the fucking time. All the fucking time. This is not new to the black community. I'm a, I live in, we in Indianapolis and three people got shot last night. Ain't nobody marching for them. No one. And, 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 and it doesn't seem fair. And it doesn't seem fair. I'm saying if you're going to do it, if you for real about it, do it for everybody. I yeah. mean, the same, I mean, the whole thing, with, the whole racism thing pisses me off. Like my friend, I was talking to my friend the other day and they was like, oh, they should take Donald Sterling team. I was like, that's not going to punish him. He's fucking rich. If you want to punish him, yeah. what you do is give him an all white fucking team. <laughs> That's how you fucking punish him. That's how you punish him. That's how you punish him. And make those white people be claimed as racists. No, he'll never fucking win. But make it no, but make put make them play for the Clippers and everyone will know them as racists. Yes. Like just just brand the Clippers racist. Exactly. Brilliant. That's how you that's that's how you get back at him. Don't take his team, give him all white boys. Yeah. With heavy feet. (laughs) (laughs) i would have i would have paid money to see you and patrice neal patrice o'neill talk i work you know what because me i worked with patrice the year before he passed i opened for him at the cleveland improv yeah and every i heard this thing oh he's mean motherfucker he's mean i said i'm a black bitch ain't nobody disrespecting me so i had my black bitch attitude on ready you know because i was like man this motherfucker gonna have to rumble because i was ready to talk back so um so the feature act, I mean, the MC came in and was like, Mr. O'Neill, do you mind if I sell my, my CD? Patrice said, what the fuck you got a CD for? You are opening that. He was like, well, I headline. This is my home club. I'm just MCing for you. And so I looked at it. I was like, I got a CD. He was like, y'all can sell it. The sweetest fucking person I ever met. Yeah. I didn't see that mean, bouty-bouty person everybody else saw. Yeah. And had a great weekend with him. So fucking sweet. I mean, I had already put on my black bitch face. We gonna rumble. You uh-uh, cause I already heard this shit. I've been shot two times and hit by a dump truck. You not about to fucking disrespect me. So I was ready. <laughs> the sweetest fucking person I ever met. He's Patrice was Patrice was, and I and I hate to ruin the uh, the mystery of what everyone thinks him to be. One of the sweetest guys. Sweetest I, guy. I miss him, and I and I been my relationship with Patrice is is short. At best, but when I saw him, it was so nice and and but you, you but he was very real like you are. Yeah, like he didn't like his. I think sometimes the angle you want to see is the one you least expect, and yeah. that was always Patrice's angle, and that's also your angle. It's like it's like I think you see that outrage with the Donald Sterling stuff, and you expect it from people, and you go, "Well, that is boring, I guess." And then and I think people then get outraged at the expected boringness of it. But, like, your angle is totally different. And as soon as you said that Donald Sterling thing, I was like, that's the way Patrice looked at the world. Like, that was like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 
uh, my my only statement I've said about the Donald Sterling thing, I was like, well, at least you know you got to give it to him. He didn't say the N word once. Like you'd expect in a racist tirade, yeah. that shit's going to come out. But he was very respectful in his racism. Well, he was. I mean, and he's eighty five years old. You what do you expect? What the world... what the, what the world's what? was when he was a kid that's how he was taught that's how paula dean was taught now i'm not saying that just because you talk that way that you have to act that way today but people don't have to change that's what the world don't understand you can't force me to change because the world have changed if i want to stay the same fucking way i can stay the same fucking way yeah i mean but it's just well i think you can because you're black i think paula dean can't because in the microscope she's under i think and, and paula dean's a weird case because she said the word 30 years ago. Yes. Like that, for me, I go... But she did, was that a current? Was that current? Was no. that That was 30 years ago. But she like, but 30 years like ago. I hear comics say, shit, if a motherfucker robbed me, he's a nigga too. That's the first thing going to come out your mouth. Police pull up, who yeah. robbed you? Didn't nigga rob me? Yeah, but a black person probably said that. Yeah, a black a, person well, said yeah, that. A white person's not saying that. <laughs> a white person, even after a robbery, goes, he was an African-American. Yes. <laughs> That's when you're court, the most cognizant a, of it. It's according to how drunk he is. <laughs> yeah, oh, white I've heard, people I've heard, get, they get courage when they people, drunk. I've heard white people say the N-word. And by the way, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, and Greg Fitzsimmons is the one that pointed this out to me. I've heard white people say it a lot. I haven't really heard a white per- person use it, like use the word, like say it about someone derogatory. I've heard mm-hmm. white people say it. It's like up until very... It's in every rap song that you buy. Up until very recently, I would sing it with the music. Like, I would sing it. When I heard it in the song, I'd sing it. That's my. I bought that album. Why can't I sing it when DMX says it? it, it it's me in my car But I don't myself. see that as being racist. I don't I see don't. that as being I racist. Racist to me is when you hate somebody. When you and s- it don't have to be for color. Being people hate gay people. Like, before before my daughter came out, it, when the time I spent in prison, I didn't like gay women. Honestly, I'm going to say this on your podcast. I hated them yeah. until I was faced with it, dealing with my daughter. And I had to learn that I can't judge nobody for... Be, you know, for their sexuality. Well, you still a good person. Yeah. Oh, you still a good person. I don't give a fuck if you come to me now with one eye. Fuck your one eye. Are you nice to me? Are yeah. you going to be a good one eye motherfucker? Or are you going to be a mean one eye motherfucker? What it is, is we were, we were brought up. And I say we because we're the same age. We were brought up in a culture where it was, where, where, in a time when, when to not trust someone because they were different was okay. But we also grew up with the, with the fucking Russians. The Soviet Union, we were taught at a very young age to dislike someone simply based where they're from. Nowadays, you don't that doesn't even happen. Mm-mm. But like but I look back at like uh like I remember the first gay dude I met and I remember being like like sweet, you're no different than me. You just like to suck you like suck dick. Like you're yep. just like dudes. That's it. That's it. That's we're the it. same guy. We can do everything together, but at the end of the night you want to go home with the dude, and I want to go home with the chick. Yeah. That's it. Like there's no that that was a big eye opening and, and th- by the way, our little slice of his- history is gone. There's no we're the only ones that experienced that. Yeah. Our, before us, it was just dislike, distrust, and hatred. That's right. We were the fucking we were the freshman class. Yeah. We went through and learned to appreciate people for who they were. I remember on 2020 watching breakdancing. I didn't know not one black person in my that. life. I didn't have one black person in my life. My brother break dance used to break dance. I remember break dancing on twenty twenty, going that looks really cool, and being into it, and then exploring black music and like hip hop. It was the birth of hip hop, and being like, oh shit, do you remember? Uh, do you remember um, uh, what was uh, jam on it? A uh, jam on it. I said jam, jam, jam on it. Yep, nucleus. 
Like I remember getting that and being like, oh, there was like a brand new world was open to us. Well, that wasn't like you know we're the only class that had that. I'm gonna. I'm now. I'm feel like I'm speaking too much. Let's cut it back and go back to you. Well, I mean, but then, but you know, that's the great part about it. Like with my my son, who's 28, they don't they don't see it. They just want to get high and get drunk and fuck with anybody. They don't yeah. care. They don't. My son, you know, he's his baby mama is black, but he dated a lot of white girls. And you know, you got to remember in a black household, you are taught, you teach your young boys, don't come home with no motherfucking green eyed. Yeah, that's what you talk, but that's not. I said you fuck whoever gonna give you some pussy, so (laughs) you can get her pregnant. You can get the fuck out of my house. I don't give a fuck what color she is. I want you at my house. (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 okay. So, eighteen, you meet, you get out, you realize this isn't for you. Yeah, I realize this is it for me, and um, I get, I, I meet my husband, get married. My sister is really on crack. At that time, really bad. I only have two kids, none by my husband. So my sister lose custody of her kids, and I have to take custody of her four kids. So now my husband is 21, and I'm 19, and we got six kids. Holy shit. What, yes. And your husband is working the gym at the time? No. My husband, he had just got out of the Persian Gulf War. He was working uh, for a mattress company called Simmons Mattress. Oh, so, motherfuckers. Um, I know Simmons Mattress. Yeah. So we they give us uh, housing. Like a section eight, and I moved to Riverdale, and I was like, "Well, we just gonna have to raise these kids," and we did. We struggled our ass off, but they never knew it. We kept them into sports. Um, you know, we made sure everybody went to school. We took care of them, and I didn't have any problem until my sister came back ten years later to get the kids. And then, you know, my whole focus with my family, with those six kids, was you know. I want to break this cycle in my family. This is the, this is to be the first generation that we'll have. Everybody can graduate. My daughter and my niece was the first two people to graduate in my family in three generations. Really? Everybody dropped out. And my daughter was the first one to ever go to college. Sweet. Um, that, by the way, I'm being so white right now. When you said graduate, <laughs> I, meant, I thought you meant college. No, graduate high school. And she Holy went off to college. Shit. Yeah, Holy she was shit. the first, and um, he graduated too. So my sister get her kids back and just fuck their lives up, get them all on drugs. Really? And like my niece living with me now, she living back with me. She got four kids and she twenty three, and this dude in jail for carjacking. Are you serious? When I found her last year at Christmas time, she was homeless with four fucking kids. So she was living in and out of hotels. So I'm up here begging her to come live with me because I got a big-ass house here in Indianapolis. She didn't want to come because she knew that if she came, it ain't no living off no welfare. It's about getting up, getting out, and get some. You're going to get your fucking life together, and you're going to show these kids a better fucking life. You're not going to sit around my house like you sat around your mama's house and fucking get high and pop mollies. We don't do that. And, yeah, because that's yeah. all she was on drugs. All of them on drugs. So she's the only one that was willing to get her life together with the four kids. She have a she. The baby was a month old, well, two weeks old when I went in there and begged her. Are you serious? So I ended up. I brought her back here. She got a job now. She work every day and she's doing fucking awesome. Wow. Yeah. So wait, when we when did you move to Indianapolis? Seven years ago. Okay. I, I did not want to move here because of the comedy scene, and I was in Atlanta. Were you doing stand up in Atlanta? Yeah, but I was doing. Where you started the comedy corner? Uh, Uptown. Uptown. That's yeah. it. That's that, that's I, that. that's it. Like right near Buckhead. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was doing. No, it's not anymore. It's downtown now. Okay. I was doing a lot of urban comedy. You know the shit you see in urban rooms. So I, when I moved here, it was no urban comedy. So I had to figure out a way to fucking make everybody laugh. So how do you make everybody laugh? You make it personal. 
Can't it. nobody change me. I'm me. I'm and you can't you. complain about it either. It's like, yeah. listen, you, are you going to really complain about my life? Yeah. About my experiences? They really happened. Why can't I just talk about me? And, and people love it. So I yeah. started to talk about me, and I started to get a whole new fan base. Well, it's, your fan base is is uh, is grassroots and fucking hardcore. They are. Thank y'all so very much. <laughs> uh, they're listening right now. I guarantee it. But it's it's you know what's crazy? Your fan base is a lot of white dudes. A lot of white dudes, and I don't, you know, I think, you know, people just, people like real shit. I think white dudes, I'm going to speak as a white dude, I think as a white dude, we respect honesty, Mm -hmm. because I think there's so many places in our lives where we're dishonest and we don't say anything, and to hear you talk about life, I think is, it's the same reason Patrice's fan base is all white dudes. Yeah. It's like, it's like, we dig people who are honest, and we dig people who... We dig a good story. We dig someone who had lived something different. I think the majority of white guys grew up in like a five. You know, like just like, eh, run of the mill, average lifestyle. You know, got a bike, got a car, had sex at 17. When you meet someone that didn't do that, you're like, holy shit, I want to hear that story. Yeah. I, and I, it, it's, it's crazy because I do have a lot of white dude followers. I have a lot of soccer moms. And, and you know, it's crazy because you're like, are you going to listen to this? But you, re- I realize this. We all the fucking same. Yeah. If you didn't go through what I went through, you probably know somebody who went through what I went through. You know, I thought only black, young African-American girls got pregnant at 12. Oh, well, no. I've learned when I tell these jokes on stage now, my stories on stage, that fucking teenage pregnancy happened to every race. Chinese, Mexican, white, black. It's yeah. no fucking. It happens to everybody. Yeah. And like my my kid's father used to like beat on me, and I thought I was the you know only black women got beat because my mama used to get beat on by my by my father. She would tell me these stories, and and I, as I was growing up, she would say, "If a man don't hit you, he don't love you." So that was in me. And when my baby daddy would knock the shit out of me, I was like, oh, he loved me. But I'm not going to lie to you. One day that motherfucker hit me too hard. And I say, fuck this. If this love, I can do without it. Yeah. I knocked that motherfucker damn near unconscious <laughs> with a skate. Really? With a skate? With his own skate because he liked to skate. I said, you don't put your motherfucking hands on me. So that's when I started to grow up and I had to learn to to love myself. You know, I realized I couldn't love my kids until I love myself because if I love myself, I can love them and protect them. Yeah. What's so great is, by the way, is that you said with a skate and I can just uh, the pictures you paint when you tell stories. I don't think you realize you're painting them. But like I picture a 25 year old dude roller skating. He's 50. He's still roller skating. He suck his thumb. Are you serious? Fuck yeah. That's his daddy. (laughs) (laughs) He don't have a car, but he can skate his ass off. You still talk to him? I do. And people ask me all the time. They was like, for all the abuse, because he beat me. He shot me, too. So the first dude shot me was a drive-by. He, my kid's father shot me in the back of the head. So people say, how can you deal with a dude that costs you? Got to start, start all over. So <laughs> how'd you get shot in the back of the head? My kid's father shot me. But what? I was. I had a guy over my house one day, and uh, he called himself coming over to fight for me. So him and the guy get to fight, and the guy ride out, you know, leave. Yeah. And he hit me in a thirty-eight fucking tore a hole in the back of my head really i was fifth i was about i was i was 15 actually i got shot twice that year 
I got shot in the titty. That year 15 was not a good year for me. <laughs> Most young girls are cheerleaders. I'm fighting off bullets, baby daddies, and all kinds of shit cracking. Oh. 15 was rough for me. I yeah. want to see pictures. <laughs> like, as, a, as a craziest, like, it's, it sucks that we had to use, like, real cameras back then. Because I'd love to see pictures of you. I have a picture of what you look like on a, on a, on a, on a porch. With short shorts mm-hmm. and a tank top that's too short, and your <laughs> arm up like you just don't give a fuck, and your hair is in like little pigtails on the side. <laughs> I have a visual of what that looks like. I'm yeah. very like I, I, I but and I, but I can't imagine you getting shot. Yeah, I guess people look at me when I tell them they're like, "Holy fuck!" And you know what was so crazy? Because I was so ghetto back then. And you remember when black people wore the finger waves in their hair? You remember the finger waves? Kind of looked like this wig I got on, but it was real hard. <laughs> you remember when no, we used no. to have the white finger waves? No. You have to Google it when black people had finger waves and they would put gel in our hair and we would set up on the dry and the shit would get rock hard. So those are called finger waves. So make a long story short, after he shot me, uh, I was, after I got released from the hospital, because what it did, it cracked my skull so it didn't go in. So they kept me for a few days and they let me go and they told me, sisters, in my head, they can't sew up your head. Like the back where, where he shot me at. Yeah. So they just left the big ass hole there, Bert, and put this clear thing on there that we had to keep clean like three, four times a day. So I wanted to go to the club. Now I'm 15 years old, underage with my fake ID. I'm a big time drug dealer. I can get in any fucking club. Yeah. So my friend was like, how the fuck you want to go to the club? Bitch, you got a hole in your head. I said, bitch, fit my hair so I can go to the club. So my friend gave me a finger wave hairdo, finger wave round the bullet hole. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I'm at the club dancing my ass off with a leaking head. <laughs> my head was leaking everywhere. <laughs> I left out that bitch. I got jail going down my neck because that's what they lay your hair down with jail. Yeah. And fucking blood running down my head. People are like, bitch, you bleed. I'm like, I'll be all right. Just pat it. <laughs> that's how fucking stupid I was. A gunshot wound to the head and I'm in the fucking club with finger waves. <laughs> gunshot wound to the head. You're, uh, you have to write a book. You have uh, to write a book. I know people tell me that all the time, bro. You have to. I, I, you know what I'm working on? I'm really trying to get my one-woman show off the road. I mean, off the ground. I'm in the process of trying to write it to get together. I've never done nothing like this before, so it's fucking hard as hell. And I want to call call it Raise the Wrong Way. And I want to sit down in a chair and just tell these fucking hundreds of stories that I have. I'd sit and watch just- it. I'd sit and watch it in a fucking heartbeat. You, you are someone who throws away the most interesting parts of stories sometimes. Like your, your throwaway of like, after I got shot in the head, you're like, hold on, back it up. <laughs> like, I want to hear that story. I want to hear, like, I want to, like, in a weird way, I like, I'm, I, I miss um, Southern summers when yeah. it's hot as fuck and it just rained and it's humid and like, in the ghetto, we would go outside and turn the fire hydrant off and the fire department. Like, did I tell you I don't cut that shit? I'm like, look here, motherfucker. We in the hood. We ain't got no swimming pool. This is the only way we're going to get cooled off. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. We had a fire hydrant at the end of our street, and I oh, wanted to open it up so bad. wide open. <laughs> How did you open it up? Shit. Somebody uncle had a big wrench. And what was so cool about the fire hydrants that when you, you know, because you be hot, and a lot of times you ain't had no bath anyway, so that was a good hot shower. That was yeah. a good cold shower for you in front of everybody. So you would get up in front of that bitch, and somebody would put their hand in between it and skeet your little ass all the way down the street. So you get up, you bleed there, but you don't give a fuck. You just glad to get some clean water. You run your little stinking ass right on back up there and jump in front of that bitch. 
<laughs> what? what? You know what needs to happen to you is uh, is Andre 3000 needs to fucking do a movie about your life. Oh, God. I would love to do a movie about my life. I have a fucking million stories. You know how bad? I always said I wanted a sitcom. I said I could write a hundred episodes and it would be something like, you know, dealing with my kids today and then they remind me of shit flashback to where I was. Y'all don't know how good y'all got it. And yeah. we would flashback to my past to make these motherfuckers realize how good they really have it. Because yeah. I got a daughter that thinks she know every fucking thing. Now, how, how many kids you have? I have four. I have, two set, I have two sets of Medicaid kids. I have a set of Medicaid kids and a set of Blue Cross Blue Shear kids. What is, I don't know what that means. Medicaid. That's the government. Pay for your health care. Okay. Like Obamacare. Yeah. They used to be okay. called Medicaid. So I call, I call them my Medicaid kids. <laughs> and I call my new kids my Blue Cross Blue Shear kids because they ain't shit. They, they up at it. They think they the shit. <laughs> oh, we was born on health care. How the fuck was y'all born? <laughs> <laughs> so, so how old is your, your younger two? 16 and 14. Holy shit, you got, like, young kids. Yeah, I got young kids. God damn. Now, um, what's the disconnect between... Your young kids, I imagine, have probably been grown up. Your 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 husband does well. They've been probably brought up, Suburbs. Like, they don't know. They know the hood only because their mama is hood. Yeah. Like, their daddy is very, very well-spoken. He watched CNN. He know what's going on in the world. Really? You know, he fucking... So he when the go- Trayvon Martin stuff goes down, your kids, your perspective is obviously from that. But, like, what do your youngest kids say? Do they? What do they think? Are they so My, I got a son that don't fuck... That's really not connected because all his friends is white. Yeah. So he live in a white community. He don't know what the fuck you talking about when you say, oh, you can't walk through your community. We live in fucking houses, you know, in Indianapolis that starts about 250 and go up to like 600. Yeah. So he don't know what the fuck you talking about. But my daughter, she knows. And, you know, she she knows that she know about racism. My son don't know about racism. All his fucking friends is white. All my daughter friends is white, too. But she know what's going on in the yeah. world. Like when my son, when we first moved there, I told my son, I was like, you know, you got to stay the fuck off the trail. You and that little white boy stay the fuck off the trail. So he was like, who are you talking about? I was like, your little fucking white friend. Stay off the trail with him. He was like, my friend not white. And he started crying. And I was like, holy fuck, this boy, ain't, he don't see color. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still like that to this day. You're well, your my little daughter, white friend. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what white friend? My, my friend ain't white. I was like, that's... the fuck color you think he is? He was in his second grade. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, my kids don't see. My kids have no idea what color is. But they, but they know it. They just don't know it. Yeah. Like, I tried to explain ethnicity to them. And I was like, I said, what ethnicity are you? I was doing a podcast with them. I, maybe I'll release this one time i did a podcast with my girls and i was like what what's our ethnicity and they're like i don't know what that is i go like what what are we and they're like i don't know i said no like you know like uh kylie is vietnamese like what are we and they're like vietnamese i go no we're not vietnamese <laughs> i go what are we and i i love my youngest is like oh i know we're dyslexic i go no you're dyslexic <laughs> Worth something else, and they're like, I have no idea. Yeah. And, the, and Isla goes, African American? I go, No, we're not African American. She goes, Mama says I have an African American booty. I said, No, you got a big. Yeah. You and your mom both do, but not Georgia me. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's yeah. interesting seeing that our kids grow up like that. Yeah, and my, you know, they they are in the suburbs, so you know, they 
they don't know what when you got my older two they you know they was in the streets with me he was a lot younger but my daughter remember like she was there when i got shot that night in my breast she know about all the trafficking of cocaine that i did and stuff like that where he was just a kid you know he was like oh i hold a dope mama you know whatever he didn't know that his ass could be taken and stuff like that so when i moved when, when i met my husband we moved to the suburbs which was a a middle class black neighborhood, but my kids now live in an all white neighborhood. Really? Yeah. So, do you have to hang out with their white parents? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't want to. It's just that I don't have time. You know, yeah. people in the neighborhood know that I'm a comedian, and I, you know, it's hey bye. You know, I don't have time. No, I'm the same way. I, you know, I, I, know I don't that. talk. I don't talk to my neighbors. You know, I don't borrow sugar and shit. What we do in the hood? Yeah. So borrow. You know, I remember borrowing fucking sugar. I remember borrowing milk. Yeah. You'd go to your neighbor's house and go, hey, can we get some milk? I remember that, and no one does that anymore. Well, now people don't care about people like they used to, Bert. Like, God you, damn it. You, I remember going, hey, go over to the neighbor and see if they have an egg. Yeah. We're going to make a cake, and we need one egg. My neighbor came to my house one day and was like, uh, Pat, I need some flour. I don't feel like running to the store. And I'm standing there like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, when I moved there, they was baking me cakes and shit. Really? We don't do that in the hood. And I, and it, it shocked the shit out of me. And one of the reasons why, because we raised, you don't ever let a bitch cook for your man. If a bitch come over your house with, your, for some, with some fucking chicken or welcoming you to the neighborhood, she want to fuck your man. Really? So that's how you raised as a black woman. You don't show up at my doorstep with your stinking ass cookies or cakes or chicken. Holy shit. But white women, they just showing up everywhere. And I asked them, I said, do you know we don't do this in the black community? They was like, why? And when I told them, they was blown away. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. So where are you going tonight? You going to New York? I'm going to New York. Doing Ari's podcast I'm there. going to do an Ari's podcast. That should do be- you know Ari? No. Oh, you don't? The fan hooked me up with Ari. Oh. All I, I know is he's Jewish. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, Ari grew up a uh, Hasidic Jew, Orthodox Jew. I don't like know. The ringlets and the yarmulke and the outfit. Uh, I don't know what you you're know- talking about. Oh my God! You oh talking God. about the people with the little curly hair yeah, down with the sides? Yeah, the, the, wear the big hats and. Like- oh, okay. Look like the Amish people. Yep. Right, okay. Ari grew up like that, and like went to like went to Jerusalem, and like he's really Jewish. Then he tapped out and was like, "Fuck it," and I was like, and "That's I want, what most like, people do." He want to be a comedian, and, and he's Ari is fascinating. You really? I I got to be honest with you. I'm more interested in hearing you two talk than me and you because <laughs> I that's going to be a great fucking podcast. Yeah, again, the fans. I mean, <laughs> I guess all my white guy fans hook me up. Your white guy fans should have shirts that say, "I'm Miss Pat." <laughs> just like i'm tyler durden <laughs> and you know when they come out to see me the first thing they say is there any way i can pay you to see your missing nipple i'm like no bitch is there any way i can pay you to see your missing nipple <laughs> not because i don't want you to because i gotta pick this bitch up and pull it out <laughs> this ain't no a cup we dealing with these are real fucking titties these titties get musty in the middle i gotta be careful how i handle these things <laughs> okay now um i'm trying to make sure that you get out of here to go see your podcast we get doing an hour right now it's I'm pretty fine. good but uh, um now what what story like so i'll i'll i'm gonna say it to me and then you just say yours so like if you were meeting me for the first time i'd be like oh the story that you'd probably want to hear is when i robbed a train in russia with the russian mafia or the story about me being in a band with a guy and kicking him out and he before in the band creed or like whatever 
So what story have I not asked you about that that you that you go you go, you know what's interesting or you know what like something that is interesting to you? Um well, a lot has to do with like being raised by an alcoholic parent, the yeah. way I was raised. Um like my mama would get drunk a lot. Every day she got drunk. And really? um, what was her drink? Gin and juice. Really? Yeah. I remember one time my we my mama used to keep her gin and juice by the sink because if she was out of juice she would drink gin and water don't ask me how she did it but every you know when she took it was like mouthwash she just put it and swallowed the shit really so one day my neighbors was like i bet you won't drink your mama looker so me and my sister my sister was named maypop my name was rabbit and i was like we'll drink this shit up bitch <laughs> we about eight years old but we drunk her whole little half a paint and she woke up and she fucking went off. She's like, you some dirty bitches. How dare you drink up all my shit and don't leave me nothing. And she beat us all day fucking long. Are you serious? <laughs> and you were drunk. <laughs> and, and she was pissed. She put us in the bathtub and whooped our ass with them switches. <laughs> and I was told my sister, I ain't never getting high with you hoes again. <laughs> I was like, why you drinking all? You know this bitch drink this shit every day. And it just got good to us and, we, and they was like you all drink your mama look we drunk all that shit and that to this day i think that's why i don't drink really yes yes you Mom, ever smoke weed i don't do shit have you ever smoked weed yeah I've, i smoke weed yeah yeah but you're but you're like you're 100 sober you don't like you don't go out and party really at all really no no i'm just married do comedy and that's it holy shit <laughs> i'm boring so- as fuck I, I i'm a hgtv person i'm the type of person that go to the goodwill buy a fucking table and redo it really yes uh that's so fascinating so you know i'm I, I work at travel channel yes and that is uh that's part of the family is hgtv diy food I, cooking I watch travel shit great all American day country. every day we gotta get you a show on travel channel yeah, that's uh, what would you show? What would your travel channel show be? Like, if you could do a, tra- a show for travel channel, what would it be? Because right now there are two people that are work at travel channel that are definitely listening to this. Probably ten. <laughs> so, what would be your show? Um, if I had a, cha- a show on travel channel, on a show on travel channel, uh, what would you like to taking just- people? On, I probably take it. I'm probably going to the hood, taking kids on vacation. You know, black kids don't get vacations. Going into the hood and taking black kids on vacation. Yeah. you know, we we don't get vacation. Vacation, get your ass outside in that sun. <laughs> so you, and you do, you'd want to do kids and let them see the world. A- I would like to see. I love kids because I mean, I didn't get that opportunity. So yes, I would like to take poor kids on vacation. Just show them the world. It's more out there than a motherfucker getting shot on your front porch every day. Oh my god, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I take two kids to Hawaii, get them swimming with sharks. Yes. Get them out of their comfort zone, zip lines. Yeah, you know, black people don't zip line. Oh, we don't fucking zip line. I had, I had, uh, Al. You know Al Jackson? I know Al Jackson. I had Al, Al Jackson, Jackson is not considered black now. <laughs> 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 Let's get your black man right, and I don't give a fuck if you get mad either, Al Jackson. Al Jackson is not black. Okay, <laughs> my son more blacker than Al Jackson. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! <laughs> no, you gotta know your black men. Like, let me name a black Who's, comedian. Na- name, name the blackest comedian out there. Uh, like someone that's just keeping it real, top to bottom. D. Ray Davis, that's a black man. Really? You know D. Ray Davis? Yeah, I know D. Ray. I fucking love D. Ray Davis. I used to over Cat Williams as a real black Cat man. Cat Williams is fucking fascinating. Yeah, those are black men. Oh, Corey Holcomb, that's a black fucking man. Yeah. Huh? 
Fuck you, he talking about them <laughs> light-skinned people. <laughs> That's all light-skinned people you name in. But they black, they keep it real. Like Al Jackson, he ain't going to slap no bitch. <laughs> no, Al Jackson's not slapping Corey Holcomb will slap a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right now, Corey Holcomb's like, shh, keep it on the DL. <laughs> yeah, he'll slap a bitch. D-Ray will kick a bitch out of, bitch, get out of my room. <laughs> you know. D-Ray's an interesting guy. I he's love a, D-Ray. Yeah, he's an int- really interesting when guy. When I used to open for D-Ray, them hoes would be all over D-Ray, and I would have to stand in front of him. And I, I'm tired of beating these hoes off you, D-Ray. That's so funny. It, that they doesn't happen with white him. comics. It don't. No, you can be as big as you want. You don't have girls. Oh, my God, man. They, them hoes love D-Ray. They really? love fucking D-Ray. What's Cat Williams like? Cat, the most intelligent fucking person I want to ever seen. You know Red Grant? Yeah, I know Red Grant. Yeah, Red's a He good. was on the tour with us. Yeah, Red's a great dude. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. I was really shocked because, you know, you see Cat William in that character, fucking intelligent as fuck. Really? I, I learned so much from working with that guy. I mean, for opening up for him. And you know what? Let me tell you. I don't tell this story much about Cat, but the week I got called to go do his tour, my father died. And um, it was a lot going on. My father, he had counseling. He had just ran the fucking my truck through my house. And then he go in the hospital and he died on a Monday. I get a call that Wednesday saying, pack your bags. You're going on tour with Cat. And, of course, you know I'm black. We don't do life insurance. We just, we're going to figure it out once your ass die. Yeah. That's how I work in the black community. So he had a small policy, which was like $4,000. I didn't have enough money to bury him. So Cat hear me on the phone telling my brother, I'm gonna get, I had to get my family up here because I didn't have enough to ship my daddy body back. And Cat overheard the conversation, went in his fucking room and came out with a stack of hundreds and just gave them to me. And I really? hadn't even did the first show yet. He's like, go bury your daddy and come back to the tour. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Because of Cat, to this day, my daddy's not in a fucking potato sack. Holy shit. Yeah. I, would, I, I, wish, I wish there was more crossover acceptance for Cat. Like I think white people look at him and just go, "Oh, no. drug charges." No, like, I, white people. I don't think white people get cat as the way you I do. Crazy as fuck, Bert. When I did his tour, because I thought he was just an urban neck, you know. Because yeah. you see all the shit he talking about, I can relate to. When I did that tour, yeah. when I tell you the first, I didn't know cat audience. I walked out on that stage, won nothing but fucking white people on the floor. Are you float. serious? And let me tell you, it wasn't no. It was a 20,000-seater. And so this is how I went. All white people. And as, as it went up the, the arena, it got blacker and blacker and blacker. I was like, what the fuck? Really? White people like him? Oh, I love him. I think oh, he's great. Oh, my God. But like, they but love like, him. I, I just remember going to like that first special he did, and it was like Shaq in the audience. And like I, our, like, I remember it just was all the royalty uh, the hip hop royalty, yeah, of like of like who you'd expect. His fan base is white. Let me really? tell you something: you can't get that big with black people. Black people are not gonna put you. I mean, just that big. I think cat fans are just lower, you know. But they're I, they mostly white. I'm telling you. Now, Kevin Hart got a big ass, you know, African American fan base. Are you too. serious? That's so funny. I would think he would be more white. Well, when the time I went to go see him, and it was I was in Atlanta, but Atlanta is black as fuck. Atlanta's but, Atlanta's so black. That I did a uh, commercial shoot down there, and every one of my crew was black. That is so seldom you see that in this business is a black crew. Yeah, like you don't ever see black sound guys. You never see a black sound guy in Atlanta. You do. They do in Atlanta. Fuck yeah! And I was so, and I almost said something twice, both times. But then I was like, "Am I being racist by even noticing it?" You know, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, yeah, noticed, like, they noticed they was all black, too. They yeah. was happy. Hey, nigga, we got a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's just so interesting to me because you go in so often. You're like 
white sound guy, white cameraman, mm-hmm. white director, white producer. Everyone's probably half Jewish or, or at least mostly Jewish. And then I'm in Atlanta twice and both my crews predominantly black. And I was like, I was like, that's ah, just, you just don't see it that much. Now, wait, Kevin Hart, I would assume his fan base to be white. I mean, I really, I'm, I, I would I don't, assume them to be white young girls. Uh, I think he's more family oriented because he talks a lot about the family. Really? Yeah, he talks a lot about being, you know, a dad and stuff like that. So I think he got pretty much a big age group, but I don't know if he's as white as Cat. Personally, because I work with Cat and I've never really worked with Kelvin. Yeah. But, you know, Kelvin is huge too, but I yeah. was blown away with the. How many white fans Cat Williams had? I was really wow. fucking blown I'd, I'd, away. I'd go on tour with Cat Williams in a heartbeat. He was, he's fucking awesome. I'd go on tour with Cat Williams, but I'd be, I'd, I'd want more out of the tour than he'd want. I'd, I'd be like, hey, I want you to take a look at my set every night. Like, I'd want to work with him. I'd, he I'd would be cuss like, you the I want, fuck out. I want you to he watch my out. set, and I want you to tell me what you think I can do better, and I'm going to watch yours, and then let's be real artists about this. throw your ass yeah, out He'd be like, working. I'm done. I didn't say shit about my set. Do oh, you really? know what I mean? I, when I work with people, because, I mean, especially somebody as big as Kat, I stay the fuck out of their way. He was nice now. Like, he would invite you. He was so fucking. He was a comic that cared about other comics. Well, you don't yeah. get people that care about you. Everybody like, fuck you. I'm trying to make it like you do. He would invite you to his room, and, you know, he do whatever he do with you, and y'all sit around and smoke weed and have a conversation. You never, like, I would tell him these fucked up stories how I grew up. He would be on the floor laughing and i was look like this motherfucker is famous as fuck and he's laughing yeah. at me so he that's how real he was yeah he seems really real he's, like he's really fucking real and it's, it, it makes a difference when you're dealing with people who just think they the shit you know who oh i'm too big to talk to you i, I and i tell people all the time i don't give a fuck how big i'm i ever get i'm always gonna be to true who I am. If I'm talking to Barack Obama or if I'm talking to Oprah Winfrey, if I'm talking to a crackhead, everybody's equal to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, you who are you? You're human just like me. What, you got a better job and you make more money? That, okay, that separates us where we live, but that don't separate the person that you can be to me and the person that I can be to you. I don't give a fuck you Oprah Winfrey. I don't give a fuck if you Barack Obama. To me, you're a human being. And if you respect me, I'm going to respect you. Yeah, I, I got you lost me on crackhead. I'd probably talk a little quicker to a crackhead. No, crack, uh, no but those are some of the most intelligent people. Sometimes you want to meet. Really? They're just people who just had falls in their lives. Oh, I guess yeah. I guess I guess I, the thing is, I don't really know any crackheads, so I have a hard time picturing that. So what I picture is boys in the hood or like what like That's what, TV like, Bert. I know. I picture TV. I don't picture someone who just might. Well, next well, well next time you're in Atlanta, if I'm ever there with you, we're gonna go. We're gonna crackhead hunt. <laughs> I, <laughs> Someone's up. <laughs> Nike is just Nike's laughing. You ever been Listen on a crackhead hunt? <laughs> no, I've never been on a crackhead hunt. And you can't get scared when they offer to suck your dick for four dollars. Either you take it or you leave it. It doesn't make you gave it's four bucks. <laughs> no, but <laughs> now she might not have all her oh, teeth. It's a she, it's a she. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want a he? Oh, <laughs> I know it's some he's out oh, there. Oh shit! Your I'm dick supposed to be. I'm supposed to be on a call. All right, let's we'll wrap this up. Okay. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about it. Uh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Al Madrigal. On it now. It's a, sorry, it's Al. Uh, I'm coming right now. Um, okay, Atlanta, Atlanta, August 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh-huh. I'm going to get your info, info to uh, 
to the people over at Levity, and we'll set it up. I know Levity. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know people at Levity? Yeah, I know the people right, at Levity. Let me see where the um, – hold on one second. I got to find this. Everyone gets so fucking mad at me when I – Who are you dealing with? The Travel Channel people? No. This uh, – god damn it. It's fucking – I'm so bad at this. All right. Uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, comedian, C-O-M-E-D-I-E-N-N-E, MissPat.com. My Twitter and Facebook is the same, Comedian Miss Pat. Nice. You've been nice. a blast. I can't wait to listen to you on Ari's. Oh, well, you've been a blast, too. Can't wait to see you in August or L.A. Awesome. Thank you so much right. for doing this. Thank I love you. Thank you for having me. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.